Uh, just as we were worshiping, there was a song, and I just want to come through quickly. Just want to open it up to God. Uh, really believe that the Spirit is going to do something among us. So I just want us just to posture our hearts and just go like, Holy Spirit, come and do a work in me. Uh, I want to ask us individually if we can just lay our hands on our hearts. Just say, Holy Spirit, come and do a work in me this morning. Holy Spirit, come and do a work in me this morning. Come, Holy Spirit, fill me up again. Fill me up again, oh. Come, Holy Spirit, make me whole again. Make me whole again, oh. Come, Holy Spirit, fill me up again. Fill me up again, oh. Come, Holy Definitely not me. 
And I love the example that he used about jars of clay. This thing is so fragile. It's there just to, it's literally just there to host. And I want to start off by saying that we are fragile people. If there's anything within us that goes like, God, I'm going to be the one that is going to change the world. I'm going to rescue people. It's going to come a point in time where you're going to realize like, man, God, I can't do this. I can't plant the church. I can't lead people to the Lord. I can't reflect my life on my own. I'm so fragile, God. The emphasis that Paul is speaking on is about the treasure within us. And for me, my prayer this morning is that when we leave over here, that you'll be ignited in faith to remember that God called you broken. Some of us more broken than others, but at the end of the day, we were all dead. Now we are alive because yes. of Him. Oh, but we've got a mission that God wants to send us on. That's right. And so I'm going to start my story, and I'm just quickly going to just speak about the blind man in John. This is something out of that way. It connects sort of with my story. So the blind man, he was born blind, and there uh, we go. I'm probably not going to read this, I'll just paraphrase the story. He was born blind, and uh, you know, people thought maybe he was born this way because of sin, and then other people, you know, there was just a lot of rumors going around as to why he was born blind. But Jesus tells his disciples, no, 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 this was for my father's glory. So he pulls the foundation already, like actually, God is going to do something amazing over here through this guy. And so this guy meets Jesus and Jesus spits onto the ground, mixes the sand and he mixes the saliva, puts it onto his eyes and then tells him, now go. Go and go to, where am I now, sorry. Go to Sodom and go and wash your face. Alright? And Sodom, I'm glad that they put it over there, means sin. Like, you've got to go. I'm going to touch your eyes, but you've got to go. Sure. Sure. And he goes and he washes it and then he can see. Now this guy, I don't know his background, I don't know his story. But he's so amazed at what Jesus did in that moment. That he just starts witnessing everywhere where he goes. And people, if you read a little further, which I'm not going to do, as I say, I'm paraphrasing. People start going like, is this the blind man? And then some of them say, no, it can't be. This is a different person. And he tells them, no, it is me, it is me, it is me. And he just continues to testify. At this point in time, he doesn't even know who Jesus is. He just knows this man healed me. Eventually, they bring him into like the religious sectors. This is where you're going to find out about God, the leaders of the day. If they don't know a thing, he can't know anything. And he begins to testify about Jesus. And they question his faith and they question all sorts of directions. And they're like, at the end of the day, this man can't, I'm sorry, can't stop explaining that it was Jesus that touched his eye. And then his last message to them was this. I don't know who this Jesus is. And I don't know how he did it. But I do know this. I once was blind. But now I can see. Amen. Amen. And my message for us this morning, I'll stop over there and I'm just going to share my story and I this. God's not looking for eloquent words. He's not looking for you to build up your CV 
so that the next time you meet an unbeliever, you can take them from Genesis all the way to Revelation. Yeah, 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 it's good. He's not looking for, you know, the power that is going to shake the walls. And, you know, when you open up your mouth, it's like people just go like, yo, this guy's anointed. Or this lady's anointed. What he's looking for is somebody to tell this story. Yes. And what happened in that moment is all that guy did was tell the story. He couldn't explain to the rabbis of his time the scriptures that had unfolded. All he said was, I once was blind, but now I can see. Come on. And so for me, my story began like this. I was a young boy, and at a young age, I had an astounding desire to know God. And we had one of these front doors that had like little patterns on it, and when the light came, it would reflect those patterns and it actually looked like angels. So any light that came past, I would just look at the door and just check like these angels and just wonder. Wow. Grew up in an Anglican church, so that was the best that I knew about God. And uh, at that time, my mom and my dad, they were married. But at a young age, there was just a deep desire to know God. I only got saved many, many years later, which I'm going to come into. So please just bear with me. It will probably take about 10 minutes. This is the short, long version of and, um, and my dad was like a hero to me. So I love ninjas because he loved Bruce Lee. Okay. <laughs> I wanted to be everything that he modeled and portrayed to us. But at the same time, he was also a very, very broken man. So very insecure and through his insecurity, built up to be such an odd guy that he actually became a leader of the gang in the area that the state. I saw him fight with cops, I saw him fight with other people, and so this is my hero that I'm watching now, so this is what I'm going to aspire to. And uh, he was never abusive towards his kids, but super abusive towards my mom. My mom is actually with us, with us this morning. And uh, super abusive, so because of his insecurity, like he believed any man that just said hello, my mom was cheating on him with that. That's the sort of insecurity that was going in his mind, like just blinded by this thing. And so as young kids, seven, eight years old, like I knew Friday nights. Friday nights was to me the worst nights of the week because Friday nights is when he'd go out, hang out with his friends, and every Friday he'd come home and he was going to beat my mom and I knew it. I anticipated it. So much so that by the time, before he even came, I used to either hide under the bed or try to sleep. And uh, my teacher used to report this, used to say like, listen, this guy is coming wet to school every day because I would be so scared of, of, of seeing this aggression that I'd actually wet the bed on a regular basis until I was almost in high school. And, uh, and eventually, like, my mom had to split with him because maybe she wouldn't have been living today. But uh, what that did was, it created within me, like, a mistrust with people in authority. Because the authority I knew was abusive. Again, like I say, he abused me, but because of what I saw, it wasn't a very good example. And so, through that, insecurity came within me. Fear of man was a massive thing to me. And so my coping mechanism was actually going his way as well. And I became super hard and... I joined any gang that was showing me some sort of um, 
What's the word? Affirmation. Any, any game. Moment is some sort of affirmation. In fact, because I wasn't too Afrikaans in my neighborhood, they used to call me English gangster, which is weird. <laughs> you know? But anyway, so that was my line. But I saw something of my dad within me, which was maybe the sense of comfort. I was like, I'm also going to be a leader one day. And um, didn't know how to relate with people. And if anybody showed any sort of signs of rudeness toward me, that's it. That's, that's, that's where we end the friendship. And uh, obviously, I didn't know that these sort of things were welling up within me until the day I got born again. And uh, how I got born again was I was in a relationship with a girl for about five years. And she was completely different to my neighborhood. Very nice area, just past Flutterclough where she grew up. And so that was very different to the culture that I was experiencing. And so I pulled my whole world around because I was like, this is probably more what I want to inspire to than the direction that my dad was going in. And after five years, I just became mystery to her. So this girl just found somebody else, dumped me. So my world was shattered, like, you know, broken again. I just thought like, yo God, how much more broken can it get, you know? Listen to this, I was so insecure, so desperate that I told her this, you can date him and me, I'm okay with that. <laughs> Honestly, that's how broken I was, eh? It's like, this girl must have been like, jeez, man. I was so desperate, eh? So desperate for affirmation, man. Love. And because that left, there was just this emptiness now. There's no dad, there's no... Uh, coupling for that sense of comfort, so I'm completely alone now. And I've got this whole group of friends, um, and none of them are saved. But in that group, it's like I was the entertainer. So the guy with the jokes, the guy that always bring life, and for them to see me in that state, like that was completely different. They actually didn't know how to handle it themselves. And one day I was sitting, and at the time the drugs that we were using was called ecstasy, and to have that effect of you have to be like heated up. So, to keep this rush going, I was in my house with a blanket around me, and I had a motorbike helmet on. <laughs> For real, like there was no heat escaping anyway, so I was like, One of my friends came past, and he was like, hey you, what's happening? And I just went, grabbed his hand, and I said, hey comrade, nobody loves me. And he looked at me and he said, hey, I don't know you like this. And that's where I realized, hey, I'm empty. Something is wrong over here. Nevertheless, my mom got radically saved in the time of her divorce. And uh, she would pray for us often. Pray, pray. I would walk, come 2, 3 o'clock in the morning. And I see she's praying for her children. And we're walking in, my boot and I would be quite close, so we'd be sky high, but walking in and just seeing a praying. And those are the memories that we have all the time. So when I hit rock bottom, those are the memories that were coming to me, just seeing my mom pray. And I'll never forget this, this one day, because I see the hand of God, uh, just like, you know, throughout my life. And so this one day, we were about to go and fight with another, another group of guys, and uh, my mom had just come home. And she was wondering why do we have baseball bats and knives and cricket bats? Like what's going on now, you know? And uh, she knew she couldn't stop us. And I don't know that was God, must have been. But in a wisdom, she thought, well, if you're going out to the battlefield, it may least pray for you. <laughs> so she prayed for me and she prayed God's protection over us. 
and over the other people as well. And, uh, and we went down the road to meet these guys. And as they came, it was quite late, it was probably about 10, 10 30. So it was very late and it was also misty. You couldn't see so nicely. But when these guys pulled through, the guys that we actually were supposed to fight, there was only one of them. But they went to go fetch all like, like proper gangsters. We were one of the gangsters, and they went to go fetch proper gangsters. And when we saw these guys, we knew, like, that's it. Each one. And then they just pulled their guns on us, and they just said, like, listen, they called us another gang. We said we really don't belong to them. And they just said, you know what, it doesn't matter. It's done, like, we're going to kill you guys now. And as they pulled their guns on us, I remember just closing my eyes and just thinking like, yo, this is, this is it, but if my mom's praise counted, God, please have mercy. Honestly, I didn't say that loud, but with my, just like with my head closed, because I'm thinking like, I don't want to see I'm going to die, just do it now. And the next thing is this guy says, Gentlemen, I look me, and I tell you what, eh, we open up our eyes, bro. I've never run this fast with my head that low to the ground. I thought that they're going to shoot, shoot me my bow. That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's it. And all 11 of us, bro, we bolted down that road and we looked at one another like this, like, Phew. came home, just realized that, like, yo, that was God's intervention over the Sure. Thank you, Mama. Yeah. Pray more, mate. I want to say to all the moms, if you have unbelieving children, don't underestimate what the powers of your praise Amen. are. Amen. Amen. Declare it. So anyway, so then uh, came home from the club one day, was extremely broken, extremely empty, just lost. And now I'm at the point of, okay, suicide, that's it. I can't deal with this emptiness anymore. And as I walked into my room, like, said goodbye to my friends, cheerfully walked in and just burst out crying. That's it. That was the end of me now. So empty. I came into my room. And again, mom's wisdom, she left a picture of Jesus on the window. Seriously, picture of Jesus. When we were naught, we turned Jesus around. And when we found it, we turned in this way. Okay. So picture of Jesus in the Bible. Bible was there. It was dusty already. I had no idea where to start. But I walked in empty, broken, crying. Closed my door and I just said, Jesus, like, I don't know how real you are, but I, I'm done with life. And if you can just show me who you are, I promise you I'll give my life to you. Open up the Bible again. Okay? Didn't know just one of those things. Just open up the Bible like that. And it was the story of Peter and the disciples on the boat. And Peter saying, Lord, is it you? And Jesus said, it is me. He said, Lord, if it is you, give me your word and I'll come to you. And... Uh, Jesus said, come, and he walked, and we obviously know the story that when the storm came, he was about to sing, and Jesus lifted him up. And that day, 21 years ago, the Lord told me, you, you give your life to me, and I promise you this, I will keep you. Amen. And when it gets shaky, I promise you, I'm not going to let go of you. And for me, that was the biggest affirmation that any authority could ever give me. It was the one part where I knew dad wasn't here, girlfriend wasn't here. Teachers were not being abusive. Jesus was saying in that moment, I'm going to love you until the very end. Come on. And my heart just mounted in that moment and I said, Lord, I want to give my life to you now. And ran into my mom's room and this was the second time earlier than I was. The first time I did it was a sky eye and I tell her how much I love her. So to her, this was like, now you're on drugs or you're sitting in front of me like, where are we here? 
And she realized, no, no, God is definitely doing a work over here. So she had never led somebody to the Lord. And no uh, words to me was tomorrow's church. I'm going to ask the pastor to pray for you. So I walked back into my room and I was just so overwhelmed and I told the Lord, you know, God, I wanted to give my life to you now. And two seconds later, I just said, you ready? Come here. And I came inside and my mom led me to the Lord. Come on. And that was our own testimony. That was our own testimony because the Lord told her, what if I take him away tonight? So she prayed for me. But then my journey with Jesus started, and this is where the brokenness I started to identify. And I came into the church, and for me it was completely culture shock. Where I grew up, there was no whites or blacks, it was just colors, everybody spoke coffee cups. And I walk into a church, and the first thing I hear is, hey, bro! And I'm like, no, I don't respond to this. <laughs> So I politely just went away. <laughs> and just said, you know, and, and that's where the journey started. And all I wanted to do, but, but my heart was so touched by God, like I, I, I could not, I didn't care what church I was going to. I was just like, people love God. I love God. I'm, I'm with you guys. Like, I'm so overwhelmed with the presence of God that I suck it up. Culture shock and everything, that's fine, you know. Fear of man that didn't bother me. All I wanted to do was just be with people who love God because I also love God. And I remember the third week um, in just walking with God, there was this moment in worship just like we had over here. And I remember the Lord saying, I want you to go and tell the congregation that I love them. Now you must remember, insecure, fear of man massively, just to give you an example, how scared I was to speak in front of people, in school we needed to do a science test. And all I needed to do was mix the compound with these two test tubes. And I was so nervous that I sat behind the table where the test tubes were, and I did it without anybody seeing, and all the closet was ding 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 ding. <laughs> <laughs> these test tubes, I was so nervous. <laughs> You know what, but that's so, he was so gracious, he honored me and he said, thank you for being bold enough to come and do it. But that's how fearful I was. Now God is telling me, go and stand in front and tell people that I love them. Mm. So it was what they call the, the green mom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Walking to the front and I'm just thinking like, I have no idea what this is going to look like, how it's going to sound like. Go to the front. Had the mic, mic shaking and all I did was, I was so dehydrated, words couldn't come out. <laughs> Pastor was merciful and he just like, give it some time, give it some time, and eventually it came out and it just like, Jesus loves you. Oh, come on. And that was a massive breakthrough for me. And I felt in that moment like the spirit just go, I'm going to use you one day to share my word. Come on. Only just stay trusting and obey. That's good. Trust. And obey, trust and obey. Eventually, a few months later, because of the light that is now shining in me, all my friends and the Lord told me on that day, you take the first step out of the boat, I'll make sure the rest of them get saved. Come on. So I'm sharing Jesus with him all the time. But the biggest testimony today was the change of life. It couldn't just be the words. Like these guys were like, God, this guy is different. So sharing the gospel with him, sharing the gospel with him. And one day, one of my friends, um, he was at a club and he met a girl and they went off to her hotel room. He didn't know that she was practicing 
witchcraft. She just looked attractive and it went there. And about three o'clock in the morning, I got a call, and this guy was, but then he was like, please help me out, help me, please. I'm like, what's going on? He says, they're going to kill me. I just, I literally just got an address, and we shot through a friend of mine as well. And when I came over there, as I knocked on the door, like this girl was manifesting, bro. Like she, there was two of them, like stuff that you see on movies, like those are the sort of things. But at that time, I didn't know what we're going to pray, how we're going to pray. All I need Jesus is with us. So I walked in and uh, she started cursing and I had such peace over me. And just prayed and I said, you're going to release it because they kept him in the room over there. And they came out, one shoe off, one shoe on, ran out of there. We went down, drove home and as I was driving home, he said, bro, like, I want to know this Jesus that you know. Let him in that moment to the Lord and someone delivered him. And no idea what I was doing, but he delivered him. This guy started praying up. The next thing he's free and he's like, I feel peace, I feel peace. And I'm like, yes, it's gone, it's gone. Say that just saw this guy come to know the Lord. And all the while I'm just thinking, this is just the hand of God. Come on. Such a broken man, so insecure, so fearful of man. And yet God is doing all these things. Yeah. And then a few weeks ago, the Lord started to chat to me and he said to me, Yuri, when else did you lead somebody personally to the Lord? And I was very challenged by that. And I think the last person that I delivered was uh, Cameron. So that was his wife that she had now. Cameron is also with us over here. And uh, that could have been 2016, eh? 2017, maybe. Sure. Oh, don't make it so bad, bro. <laughs> 27 now, 2015. And uh, again, just, you know, that's what we do. We just love God. We're passionate. There was nothing planned. I was on the train. He was on the train. We didn't know one another. Stayed in the same room for all our lives, but we've never seen one another. And we were on the same train that day. And I don't know how the gospel came about. I think through a packet of chips. Beacon Bites. Beacon Bites. Let's see, Beacon Bites sounds like it's a skyrocket. I tell you, and then there's something in a Mexican flavor. <laughs> Shane, within my story, realized you worked in anyone city mall, I worked there. Hour later, he came running to our store and said, hey man, I want to give my life to the Lord. Come on. I just thought, like, yo, God, all I'm doing is sharing my story, sharing my story, sharing my story. But the reason why I wanted to speak to us about this thing about the jaws of clay and the treasure is because that few weeks ago when the Lord spoke to me and He told me, Yuri, why are you not testifying about me anymore? I got so comfortable with leading people to the Lord from a space like this that that single one, it's almost, it's not that it died away, it's just like I got so busy with these sort of things that I actually forgot, like, this is what really matters. And as I stood over there and just repenting to God, I realized that some of the areas in my life, like insecurity and fear of man, that God had actually placed me in uh, new vehicle sales. I also do new vehicle sales. And you have customers that are all sort of people. And God started slowly just breaking this thing down, breaking this thing down, healing, healing, healing. Put uh, bosses and managers over me who 
probably could be family of Hitler or something like that. But that's for my only even promise here. Because now the point was no longer that we look at abuse of authority, but that we love them for it. Oh, and so that was my healing, my healing, and it's all part of my healing where God, it doesn't matter what leader you put over me, I want to love them just the way David loved Saul, gave himself to them. And all along that way, I'm looking for opportunities to share my story, share my story. Eventually, I've got an opportunity with one of my managers, and uh, he's not safe yet, but I shared my story with him, which I'm so grateful for. And my hope for us today is this. That if God can use me to share his story, it's time for the congregation of Gordon's Bay to share his story. Sean can't do it on his own. Kevin can't do it on his own. God's not looking for the supernatural man, the man that looks like he's got it all together. He took an insecure fearful man and he started to use me to share his story Come on. and if there's anything that I can leave with you guys is to remember this you might feel fragile you might feel like you can't do it you might feel like God will you up again but I want to say trust and obey and when you feel the spirit prompt you to go and share with someone give them some chips and take that opportunity do it this is what God is doing with us. I was led to the Lord and I have had privileges of leading other people to the Lord, but now there's a whole lot of so privileged, so fruitful. God is just looking for somebody to say, like, God, I'm, I'm going to be obedient and I'm going to share. Amen.